0: okay, this is going to be fun. Our scripture reading for today in the Old Testament is from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 15, and chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. In your pew Bible, it's on page 24. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground, and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may be passed by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent and t- t- to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which is behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure in my Lord being old also? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, surely I, surely I shall I surely bear a son, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. The reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35, through chapter 10, verse 23. In your pew Bibles, that's on page 1510. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits, to cast them out, and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these: first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother; James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother; Philip and Bartholomew; Thomas and Matthew the tax collector; James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebbaeus whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire in it who is worthy, and stay there until you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you, or hear, nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, "'Shake off the dust from your feet. "'Assuredly, I say to you, "'it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah "'in the day of judgment than for that city. "'Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. "'Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. "'But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils "'and scourge you in their synagogues. "'You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake.' as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver brother up to death and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in, this, you, you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Here ended the reading. May the Lord write these words upon our hearts with love and with understanding. Amen.
1: meant to uh, share during our announcement time that maybe some of you got a strange email from my email account yesterday. Um, uh, uh, My email was hacked, and some email went out asking for $500, and trust me, if that was an actual email from me, I would have asked for $1,000, not $500. (laughs) So you will never, ever get an email from me asking for anything, and if things look suspicious, it's a good chance that they probably are. So just delete those, and thank you for those who made us aware of that. And uh, I changed my password. Hopefully that will take care of that scam. Well, friends, let's join our hearts in prayer today. Lord, give us a word, a word of hope, a word of peace, a word for the living of these days in which we are in. You alone hold the words of life, and to whom else can we go but you? So, Lord... You have spoken to us already today. Speak to us now. May our hearts be open before you, and may all that we say and all that we do give you the honor and glory. We pray in Christ's
0: name. Amen.
1: If I were to ask you to define a promise, a promise, what's a promise? How would you you give definition to that word? A vow, okay? If I go up to Don, my friend Don here, and I say, Don, I I promise that I am going to do something for you. $500. (laughs) You know, oddly enough, I got money from the church just yesterday, Don. (laughs) If I were to go to Don and say, I promise I'm going to do X, Y, Z for you. Well, maybe taken into account, Don might think of his relationship with me, what he knows of me and my character, um, our history together. That might all come into account when someone comes to you and makes a promise, makes a a vow. Jen, that's a good word. A a vow is is something you take seriously, right? I mean, there's, um, there's a sense that your word, your faithfulness, who you are, your character backs up something that you have said that you will fulfill. All of that is tied up in a promise. Last week we began in Genesis uh, chapter 12 with the story of Abraham. And as I mentioned to you, Genesis 12 and this idea of a covenant that God will make with Abraham and with Sarah, which is then ratified again with Abraham's heirs, all the way down through King David, finding its culmination in the Messiah. Chapter 12 of Genesis really is the linchpin upon which all of salvation history turns. Genesis 1-11 to has been filled after God's good creation, comes the fall of humanity, and the downward death spiral just continues and continues. Until chapter 11, someone named Nimrod rises up. And Nimrod is convinced that human intelligence and advancement, technology and science, has made God obsolete and irrelevant. Sound familiar? And so, assuming the prerogatives of God and in human hubris, Nimrod and humanity gathered to go up to heaven. But the... The whole story from Genesis to Revelation is the opposite. Human beings cannot reach heaven, so God comes down. And yet Nimrod and the human beings are convinced that they can go up to God. They can meet God. They are God's equal, if not his superiors. God confounds their language, and humanity continues its destruction until one man from one family comes onto the scene. And God makes a covenant with Abraham. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you land. Now go and get out. Without fulfilling, without giving any of the details of the promise, God tells Abraham and his family to go. And between chapter 12 and chapter 21, where Nelson read for us that contains the birth of Isaac five times, God reiterates to Abram and his wife Sarai, or Abraham and Sarah, that he will fulfill a promise and they will have an heir. Now, here comes the tension in the text. There's a promise that God gives, but there's a problem with Abraham and Sarah. What's the problem? They're old! They were directing music here at St. Paul's in 1740-whatever! Sarah's 90, Abraham's 100, they're old. And so when the Lord's messengers come to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18, Sarah laughs. Because the problem seems greater than the promise. And over and again, in these chapters where God initiates the covenant and says he's going to bless them, they're going to have an heir. And when it actually happens nine chapters later, over and again, guess what happened? Abraham and Sarah laugh. They believe the problem is too big for the promise. And then something happens in the story. Between God telling them, promising to them, a land and an air, and an air through which all the nations of the earth will be blessed, and then when Isaac is born, in Genesis 21, something happens. Because the problem seems greater than the promise, Sarah takes it upon herself to try to fix things. Oh my. Sound familiar? I'm old. The womb's not working. So here I have a a servant, a handmaiden, Hagar. Come on, Abraham, you need an heir. And yes, God has promised an heir through me, but I'm old and God's not showing up. Take Hagar and have a child. And you know what happens? Things get more complicated Things spiral down even further. There's tension now after Ishmael is born between Hagar and Sarah. Now you have a single mom out there all on her own. Friction develops between Abraham and Sarah. And eventually significant tension between Ishmael and Isaac. All because the problem seemed bigger than the promise. And Sarah took it upon herself to try to take care of things. There's some people here sitting today who are barren. Now, I don't mean maybe that you can't have children. I mean that life seems empty and fruitless. Things you've been praying for year after year don't seem to come to fruition. Life seems to have passed you by. The problem seems greater than the promise. And the human temptation in Genesis as well as today is to try to take it upon ourselves ourselves To fix things. And yet, what does the Bible tell us? Genesis all the way through to the very end, when God makes a promise and human beings doubt it and try to fix things on their own, things get so much worse. So, what happens? between the initiation of the covenant in Genesis 12 and when Isaac is born in Genesis 21, and over and over again, five times, God reiterates his promise to bless this family with a land and an heir. What happens? How do we get to 21? Listen to these words from one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, even though he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Between Genesis 18, the first reading we had, and Genesis 21, where Isaac was born, something happened. Something must have happened. Because in Genesis 18, God makes a promise and Sarah laughs. And then she lies about laughing. And then 21, when Isaac comes... Something must have happened for the writer of Hebrews to hold up these two people who are flawed and imperfect as models and heroes of faith. Well, over and again, between 18 and 21, Sarah saw something. She saw the power of God at work. She saw the holiness of God in Sodom and Gomorrah. She saw when Abraham met Abimelech and lied about her Saying that was his sister, not his wife. And Abimelech takes her into his harem. She saw the power of God show up and move in a situation and get them out of trouble. Even though they had gotten themselves in it. Or Abraham really is the one to blame for that one. Got Sarah into trouble. God showed up. He moved in people's lives. He worked a miracle. And maybe, just maybe, Sarah saw that the one who made the promise is greater than the problem. Friends, today we got all kinds of problems all around us, don't we? We got people we love who are sick, we've got children who are estranged from parents, we've got financial problems. We've got a world that increasingly more and more seems to push God to the margins and try to fix things in its own power. And how easy it can be for us as the church to lose sight of what God has done, to forget the times that He showed up in our own lives with power and to start to think that the problems all around us are bigger than the promise given to us. Friends, the same God who showed up to Abraham and said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to give you land and an heir. Now go. And who showed up again and again and again and again. He always stays faithful. But when the people with whom he makes covenant take their eyes off him and the power and his faithfulness and start to look at their problems, something starts to shift. Friends, faith, that is, confident trust in the One making the promise, believing that His character is good, that He loves His people, that He's faithful and true. When our eyes go off of the One making the promise to our problems, we tend to assume upon ourselves the ability to try to fix it. And we make things worse by faith. Abraham was blessed. By faith, Sarah was able to conceive. Nothing's too hard for God. Whatever it is you're facing right now, whatever obstacle seems insurmountable, nothing's too hard for God. He hasn't forgotten you. Whatever you find yourself in today, whatever you face ne- tomorrow, whatever next week brings to you, nothing. It's too hard for God. Nothing takes Him by surprise. There's no problem that is greater than the promise. To never leave or forsake us. To be with us always. To carry us through the dark valleys. One of my favorite sayings by a man named James Finley, he says this, God protects us from nothing, but sustains us in everything. God protects us from nothing, but sustains us in everything. Abraham and Sarah are proof of that. They encountered difficulty. Some brought upon them, some because of their own doing. But God sustained them in all of it. The psalmist writes in Psalm 23, even when I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death. Listen to the word, even though or even when. It's assumed, it's known that that's going to happen in life, that problems are going to arise, are going to tempt us to doubt the promise giver. And the psalmist can say, even when that happens, I will fear no evil for the one who made the promises with The one who made the promise is sitting next to you and he will go with you when you leave this building. He'll go with you back to your home. He'll be with you wherever you go this week. By faith, keep your eyes on the one who made the promise because he is so much greater and mightier than any problem you might face. So one day, one day, When the story is written about us, it will say, by faith, Bob. By faith, Judy. By faith, Mary. By faith, Doug. By faith, Don. Even though life threw all sorts of challenges at them, even though they questioned and doubted and maybe laughed, by faith, they persevered because they believed that the one who made the promise is greater than the problem.